Section 2 of Lectures on Tropical Diseases by Sir Patrick Manson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 1, Part 2 Principles Determining the Geographical Distribution of Tropical Diseases, Epiphytic Disease, Ankylostomiasis. The disease that used to be known as Cooley anemia, tropical anemia, sometimes though very erroneously as beriberi, is an illustration in point. This often very grave condition is now known to depend on the presence in the intestinal canal of a certain hookworm, the ankylostomum duodenale, hence the modern name for the disease ankylostomiasis. The worm, so far as size is concerned, is a very insignificant one. But in consequence of the local irritation and accompanying dyspepsia it gives rise to, of the direct loss of blood from its leech-like habits, and of a peculiar hemolytic toxin it is said to secrete, this insignificant, innocent-looking parasite brings about a state of anemia in its host always of a debilitating character and sometimes so profound as to lead more or less directly to serious invaliding or it may be to death seeing that it gives rise to conditions so serious and seeing that it is a very common parasite in the tropics ankylostomum though merely a worm is a disease germ of the first importance and well worth serious consideration and study the ankylostome a little thread-like organism scarce half an inch in length is oviparous it lives in the small intestine and lays its eggs into the contents of the bowel whence they emerge in the feces. If the eggs thus escaped are kept warm in a suitable medium, preferably damp earth, they hatch out, and a microscopic living and at first very active embryo is set free. It rapidly acquires organs of digestion, and after casting its skin several times and undergoing other evolutionary changes, is ready to re-enter a human host. Thanks to the brilliant researches of Luce, we now know precisely how this re-entry is often, if not invariably, affected. Formerly it was asserted and believed that the young ankylostome entered the human alimentary canal by being swallowed in dirty water, or by being transferred on earth-soiled hands or dishes to the mouth and so to the stomach. Luce has shown that this idea is not always correct, perhaps is wrong. Ankylostome embryos, so transferred to the human stomach, are digested, he contends, just as an oyster would be digested. The process of re-entry is a far more complicated one than that of simple ingestion, it involves a stage of preparation by which the immature worm is enabled to resist the action of the digestive juices. Luce has shown that when the necessary developmental changes of the exogenous phase of the embryo have been completed on a suitable opportunity offering, the little worm penetrates the skin, generally that of the foot or legs of the coolies, or others working in or passing through or otherwise being brought in contact with contaminated earth in which ankylostome ova have been previously deposited. Given this opportunity, the embryo ankylostome enters the skin through some follicle and thence passes into a blood vessel and so via the heart and pulmonary artery to the lungs. 
arrived here it leaves the blood vessels and after undergoing further changes those that enable it to resist the gastric fluid enters an air vesicle hence passes to a bronchus and so by way of the trachea esophagus and stomach ultimately attains its permanent abiding place the small intestine arrived there sexual characters are assumed and reproduction commences the resulting ova falling into the contents of the gut from this brief sketch of the history of the ankylostome it is evident that the most critical period of its life that in which it is most exposed to danger that in which there is the greatest liability to destruction or at least suppression by the presence of unfavorable conditions or the absence of favorable conditions is that during which it is passing from one human host to another of these conditions temperature is an important one should the temperature of the medium in which the young parasite is lying fall during this period below a certain point as of course it must under ordinary conditions in temperate climates the necessary developmental changes are suspended or are never commenced and the worm and the disease it gives rise to do not spread loose discoveries have thrown important light not only on the way in which a special form of tropical anemia ankylostoma anemia is acquired but they have illuminated another tropical disease one hitherto misunderstood and which though comparatively trifling in itself has a certain importance inasmuch as it serves when it appears on a plantation or elsewhere as a warning that ankylostome is about i allude to what is known in some places as coolie itch in other places as ground itch this is a sort of papular pustular dermatitis generally attacking the feet and legs but at times other surfaces as well from the scratching it induces and the secondary infections such as phagadena that may be superposed serious lesions may ensue on many plantations it is very common and in itself the cause of a good deal of invalidism among the coolies and therefore of financial loss to the planter it had indeed been observed that an attack of coolie itch was frequently the prelude to anemia but although Bentley, working in Assam, had demonstrated the embryo ankylostome in the lesions of Kuliich, no one suspected until Luce indicated the route by which the ankylostome affects its entry into the human body that Kuliich was but a phase of tropical anemia, of ankylostomiasis, that the papules and pustules were but an incident in a disease with graver issues, in other words, that they were produced by the ankylostome in effecting its entry through the skin having mentioned coolie itch i am tempted to tell you of something which although it has no very direct bearing on my argument is interesting as showing how near a man may get to an important discovery and yet miss it and also as illustrating the not uncommon fact that correct treatment and correct prophylaxis may be based on wrong theory a planter from Trinidad, West Indies, told me some time ago that he was at one time seriously inconvenienced by coolie itch among his field hands. He remarked that the attack of coolie itch was often followed by profound anemia, and he also remarked that the skin disease and the anemia occurred only or principally among the coolies 
who either passed through or who worked in certain fields. He argued that in these fields there were certain germs, that coming in contact with the legs and feet of the coolies produced the dermatitis, and on subsequently entering the body the specific anemia. He knew nothing about the ankylostome. The observation was made long before Luce's discovery. The planter had some knowledge of bacteriology, and he, like many others, thought that the German question was a bacterium, and that by means of some antiseptic and protective procedure he could either kill the germ or prevent its access to the skin. In casting about for means to effect this, he bethought him of a practice he had seen in operation in certain parts of Germany during one of the annual pilgrimages he made to that country in search of health. In that particular part of Germany, geese are raised in large numbers. The goose market is a long way from many of the goose farms, so that the birds, when ready for sale, have to be driven for many miles over the hard roads. To enable their feet to stand the journey, the farmer provides each of his fat birds with a pair of close-fitting antiseptic socks and sandals. These he fits on in this wise. He fills a shallow trough with tar, and through this tar he drives his geese on to a piece of ground covered with a layer of fine sand. The tar sticks to their feet, and the sand to the tar. The birds are shod for the road. Thus provided, they perform the long journey without injury. Acting on this hint, the planter made his coolies, on their way to their work in the morning, dip their feet and legs in a bucket of Barbados tar, and then walk across a layer of sawdust or sand. The result was excellent. Coolie itch and coolie anemia almost disappeared from the plantation. This easily applied, inexpensive, and thoroughly rational prophylactic measure I commend to your consideration. I frequently meet with cases of ankylostomiasis in England, principally in natives of warm climates, but occasionally also in Englishmen from the tropics who have brought home the disease with them. These cases do not as a rule serve as foci for the infection of others. Our climate, under ordinary circumstances, is too cold for the hatching out of the embryo and for its life during the free non-parasitic stage. But even in England, if the necessary tropical conditions are reproduced by artificial means, ankylostomiasis will spread just as readily as it spreads under natural conditions in warmer latitudes. Recent experiences illustrate this very well, and show that as regards the particular category of tropical diseases to which ankylostomiasis belongs, it is temperature that is the principal factor that determines their extension. In the county of Cornwall, there are certain tin mines that have attained a great depth. In these tin mines, the temperatures of the lower workings is necessarily very high. Cornish miners wander all over the world in pursuit of their calling. Some of them return to the old country and to the old workings. In the case of the particular mines I refer to, the ankylostomum had been introduced by some of these repatriated miners, and being introduced, it spread apace in the tropical temperature of the lower workings. For a long time, all sorts of theories were put forward about the cause of the epidemic of anemia that had broken out among the miners. Hundreds were affected, there was much invaliding, and some deaths. 
ultimately the true cause of the anemia was discovered by professor haldane and appropriate treatment and prophylaxis being instituted the anemia and its cause is disappearing from these cornish mines but now another problem has cropped up ankylostomiasis having been introduced into the mining community of great britain may it not appear in other mines the coal mines for example mines which are in some places carried to a great depth and are proportionately warm and are not always in perfect sanitary condition this considering the huge mining population of the country would be calamity indeed in westphalia and in certain other coal mining districts in the continent of europe such epidemics have occurred and are still in progress they have proved a serious tax on the industry the labors of wardell styles and others in your own country have brought to light the wide prevalence of ankylostomiasis in certain places and institutions in this country as well as the interesting fact that america has a peculiar variety of ankylostome peculiar to itself you have therefore a special interest in this topic let me give you one word of advice in connection with ankylostomiasis it is this whenever you encounter a case of anemia the explanation of which is not apparent or which has resisted the usual methods of treatment think of ankylostomiasis and examine the stools microscopically or if not familiar with such things yourself have them examined by someone who is i could narrate many instances showing the importance of this a medical man once sent me some slides of feces requesting an opinion as to the nature of the ova they contained the patient was a soldier who had been invalided home from the west indies he had been for months in hospital and not improving had been discharged from the hospital in the army as being the subject of a pernicious anemia the ova in the stools were ankylostoma ova the diagnosis and appropriate treatment soon cured the pernicious anemia it is only quite recently that the verminous nature of the coolie anemia of the west and east indies has been recognized better late than never but it is sad to reflect on the huge volume of suffering and loss of life not to mention the loss of labor which this delay in utilizing a discovery made many years ago has entailed and for that matter still entails especially but not exclusively on tropical mankind a word in conclusion on the diagnosis treatment and prophylaxis of ankylostomiasis our knowledge of the etiology of the disease is an efficient guide the first step toward diagnosis is to suspect an anemia in the tropics or in someone from the tropics in the absence of the usual and more familiar causes of that condition should suggest a microscopical examination of the feces for ova of the ankylostomum if the ova are found the probabilities are that the case is one of ankylostoma anemia and a suitable treatment should be instituted we have two fairly efficient remedies felix mas and thymol of the two the latter is the drug most in favor at present felix mas is given in the usual way and in the usual doses as for tapeworms in giving thymol the patient should be prepared in the same way as for felix mas by twenty-four hours of comparative starvation and one to two doses of some saline aperient 
the thymol should then be given in cachet or in suspension, never in alcoholic solution, in doses of 30 grains every hour for three or four times, the last dose being followed by a smart purge. This poisons and expels most of the worms. If after a week on microscopic examination of the stools, ova are still found to be present, the thymol must be repeated. Until the thymol has been got rid of by the action of the purgative, the patient should abstain from alcoholic drink of all kinds and keep his bed. Alcohol is a solvent of thymol, which, if absorbed in considerable quantities, may exercise toxic effects on the patient as well as on the worm. Prophylaxis consists in care in disposal of such excreta as may contain ova of the ankylostome. No easy matter in the case of indifferent and ignorant coolies, and the protection by some such means as I have already referred to of food and drink as well as of hands, legs, and feet from contamination with material likely to contain embryos. As moisture is necessary for the well-being of the free embryo, it is evident that where feasible the soil in the neighborhood of houses and the workings in mines should be kept dry as well as protected from fecal pollution. In all tropical countries, intestinal parasites are exceedingly common. A large proportion of the natives in most places carry about with them a stock of Ascaris lumbricoides, Trichocephalus dispar, and very often a few ankylostomes. But besides these, we occasionally meet with two minute nematodes, Strongylus stercoralis and Strongylus subtilis. Though interesting from the helminthological standpoint, and in their life histories resembling the ankylostome, these two minute worms have very slight, if any, pathological significance, and as we know very little about their life histories, they hardly call for more than a mention. End of chapter 1, part 2